Publisher Podcast, Episode 41. How many reject letters would it take you to decide that you no longer want to go the traditional route and decide to self-publish? Well, there were quite a few for Eva, and um, although self-publishing wasn't the route that she originally thought she would take, she decided enough was enough, and she took it into her own hands. But she didn't just decide, I'm going to self-publish my book. She said, I'm going to show them, and she figured out how to self-publish her book and hit the New York Times bestseller list, which is very challenging for most self-publishing authors to do, especially on their first book. So this was a great episode. Um, It was recorded a couple of years ago for the Women in Publishing Summit, and it has remained one of our most popular presentations. We generally include it every year as something for authors to watch and learn from because Eva's information is is timeless and just so good. Yes, some of the marketing techniques may have changed and evolved, but that's marketing for you. That's what happens. But she gave so much good information about the steps that she took, the things that she did, and and really the, the level of effort that she put into to make sure that not only was her book going to be an amazingly well-selling book, but it was going to be one of the best-selling books out there. So this is such a fun episode. You're going to love Eva and her spirit, and she's recently published her second book, so you're going to want to check that out as well. Enjoy this show. Welcome to the Publish Her Podcast, a place where you can come to get inspiration, motivation, help, encouragement, and support in your journey to write, publish, and sell your book, hosted by Alexa Bigwarf. Because I've been where you've been. Alexa Digworth, your host, and I am really pleased to have our next guest with us today. As I've been pleased with all of our guests, if you've been watching, hasn't this been just a phenomenal lineup of women? The information that they have been sharing blows my mind. I've been doing this for over seven years, and I have learned something new from every single presentation. Um, Today's guest is Eva Natiello. So I connected with Eva through uh, the Alliance of Independent Authors. You might remember Orna Ross from her presentation last year and um, their online summit that they run, which is another phenomenal resource for um, independent writers. But um, Eva is a fiction writer who has sold a lot of books. Um, Let me just read her bio here so you know who she is. Eva Natiello is the award-winning author of New York Times and USA Today bestseller, The Memory Box. Her debut psychological thriller. My kind of book. Love psychological thrillers. Eva draws on her 20 plus years of experience in PR, marketing, and branding to coach. Hold on, I'm going to say that again because I didn't realize Facebook was still on. Okay. Eva draws on her 20 plus years of experience in PR, marketing, and branding to coach authors on self publishing and book marketing. She's the creator and facilitator of Self Publish Like a Pro and Find Your Readers book marketing workshops. You can catch her speaking at writers' conferences or read her articles on self publishing and book marketing in the Huffington Post. She is thrilled to empower authors to be successful, dynamic authorpreneurs while helping them create greater visibility for their books. And she's currently working on her next thriller, which she just said she has wrapped up, but it's still under wraps. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much for being here, Eva. We're talking about from rejection to the New York Times bestseller list, the journey of a self-published book. And I know this is a hot topic for so many self-published authors. Yeah. People uh, reach out to me all the time and they, when they're trying to decide, should I self-publish my book? And they do a search on, can self-published books be successful? And then uh, my, my name or my book uh, ends up popping up there. And so they reach out to me. And honestly, um, if, if we learn anything from the journey of that one uh, psychological thriller, my first book called The Memory Box, it is that self-published books can indeed be successful and find their readerships. That book has now sold over 200,000 copies. Congratulations. Thank Um, you. I just have to say that it's daunting. It's a daunting task. Um, And I think that people need to be very aware of that before we start this conversation. It requires, it's not impossible. It requires a lot of work and focus. And yes, 
and that's what Natalie's gonna, I'm sorry, Eva is going to tell us about, see, now I want to call you by your last name. Yeah. <laughs> that, that's what Eva's going to tell us about today is how, um, how, how this journey happened for her. And I love that you, that you take on the, the ownership of the fact that you were rejected. I'm assuming you had tried to get your book traditionally published. Definitely. I, I finished writing the book and like I said, it was my first book. So I was green. Um, and I, I'm also, well, I was back then a rule follower. So I researched what to do with a finished manuscript that's fiction. And I was told you need to get an agent. So, and in order to get an agent, you need to write a query letter, which took me forever to write, but, um, because there's a certain formula and a certain, uh, way you should do it to look like you're not green. And that's something that we'll definitely talk about today is how appearances, you need to keep your eye on that because appearances are everything. So you want to look like a pro at every stage. And so when I was querying agents, um, I'd say it took about three years of querying to amass 81 rejections. Um, And when I think back at that time, my kids were really young. They were in grade school and they would come home from school and they'd be like, any news, mom? Aww. And I'd be like, well, I got another rejection. Oh, just tore them up. They were like, why do you keep doing this to yourself? You know, why, why don't you stop? But um, the fact of the matter is, and most people that have done the querying will know that there are some rejections that are positive. You know, there, there are some that really keep you going. They mentioned something about your writing or something about your concept that's very positive. So you keep going. I remember like rejection, I think 14 was an agent who called me a female Stephen King. Wow. That kept me going for like two years. I you know. that one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That was a good rejection. But so, so I did go for a long time thinking this is, this is the way it's supposed to be done, you know, and after the 81st rejection, I thought these agents know something I don't, and that is that this book will never be published, that it will never have a readership, that it's really not worth pursuing. And so I did, you know, bury it in the backyard. I was crushed. And all that work I thought, you know, is going nowhere. And I started a new project because someone urged me to let go of the memory box, let it go and write something new. And then what happened, I guess about a year, a year or two later, Gone Girl came out. Um, It was published. And um, when I read that book, I realized there is a readership. This is the genre. This is, these are the people, the people that are reading this book are going to read my book. And, and that's when I decided to go to the backup plan, which was, and my backup plan was always to self-publish, but I really didn't think I'd ever need it. You know, I didn't think I was going to use it. Um, But I decided at that moment, I was not going to self-publish until I learned everything there was to know about self-publishing like a professional. I wanted the book to look like it came out of a uh, uh, traditional publisher. So it took me about a year. and. I learned everything I could from book covers, um, having it professionally edited, having it formatted, coming up with an imprint name, um, what platforms to sell on, distribution, pricing, I'm telling you, everything. And this was the funny thing. So I know you mentioned before, I come from a background of marketing, branding, and PR. I worked in the cosmetics industry for a very long time. And I was the head of PR um, for different brands of cosmetics. So I know how to publicize and to market and to brand something. So I took all of that knowledge and put it into getting my book out into the world. And that first month, by the end of the first month, um, it had hit the number one spot on Amazon Mm -hmm. in the Kindle store. And So in that moment, I realized that's when it finally dawned on me that all the agents, all the publishers who had rejected the book, you know, I had taken it personally. But this is the main thing I think I learned from that process is 
agents have their own agenda. Editors have their own agenda. Publishers have their own agenda. And sometimes it has nothing to do with you as an author or your book. Um, and the best thing to do is if you really believe in your book, if you believe in your writing, if, if you believe in your concept, do not let the gatekeepers prevent you from getting published. I mean, there really is, nobody can ever say ever again, I couldn't get my book published. Right, right. It's impossible. You can't. <laughs> we were having this conversation yesterday. Anybody can publish a book on Amazon now. That's good yeah. and bad. Mm -hmm. It clutters the space for the good books when there's people just putting out garbage, but you know, <laughs> absolutely. And <laughs> yeah. And, and, you know, that all goes back to the goals. You know, you have to ask yourself when you're an author, what are my goals? Are my goals just to publish a book and put it out there? I do. I get that a lot from people who say, I just want to throw it out there and see what happens. Well, I can tell you what will happen. You know, if all you're going to do is throw it out there, it's, it's not going to be seen. It can't be anymore. Like you're saying, there's just too many, there are too many books yeah. for it to rise above right. and get noticed unless you put behind it the marketing. Right. Well, let's talk about that. So in order, you are both a New York Times bestseller list. Um, were you on other lists as well? I'm assuming if you were at the top of New York Times, you had to have been at USA Today, Washington Post, all those things. Because it kind of uh, it was the actually it was not the number one uh, book. Oh. It was the number one book on Amazon um, in the Amazon store, and it was the number one book in every sales platform: Barnes and Noble, Kobo, iBooks, um, at different parts of its life. Mm -hmm. uh, the big list that it hit was the New York Times bestseller list and also the USA Today bestseller list. Those are the two lists. And that was basically after, so what happened was after the first month that it was available and it hit the number one spot on Amazon, of course, my phone did not stop ringing with every agent <laughs> you can imagine, <laughs> you know, and many, many agents from the agencies that rejected my book. Right. Um, and, and I don't know if that's still the case. Maybe it is. But in 2014, when I launched my book, many agents were looking to see what self-published books were making it on their own. And that's how they were choosing clients. You know, I mean, I, I think what's happening in publishing, and certainly it's been happening for years, is they are taking less risk, less and less risk. Because it's harder for them to sell books to publishers, um, certainly in fiction, uh, but I think across the board. So they go to see who's, who's successful on their own, who's finding their audience, and then maybe we can um, repackage it and sell it, you know, traditionally. So that happened. And actually, I did get an agent. And it, um, the agent did put it on submission. We were not able to sell it, unfortunately, which was very confusing to me because psychological thrillers have been very hot for years, right? So when that happened, I was, I was so upset because I thought, you know, here I got the agent and I thought that was the hardest part. Why can't I sell this thing? And so I incorporated my strategy called I'll Show Them. <laughs> I love that strategy <laughs> when I use it on a regular basis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Actually, so it's so too. powerful. Yes. <laughs> the I'll show them strategy never fails, you know, because, well, when you think about it, psychologically speaking, it's not going to fail because you don't want to fail. You want to, you want to prove something to somebody. So you stop at nothing. You know, and it's, it's a really powerful strategy. And so at that point, when we couldn't sell it, my I'll show them goal was to get it on a list, to get it on a times list or to get it, you know, somewhere so that everybody would really regret not buying, you know, and publishing my book. And um, so I did work really hard. Um, that's when I went from being exclusive on Amazon and I sold widely on all the platforms and did a lot of marketing and PR, uh, did a price promotion, um, 
and just really concentrated on one week, actually. I chose a week, and I, the PR and the marketing is what drove everything, of course. Let's talk about those. What were your strategies? How did you do that? Because I know uh, there's, I see authors marketing the heck out of their book and doing all kinds of things and not having these kind of results. So yes, I'd love to know what your secret sauce was. Sure. And well, I have to be honest with you. Um, you know, the thing that authors must keep in mind and, um, I just read a comment thread a couple of days ago on a very well-known self-publishing website and there was a blog post and an author commented about how he had done everything. He, you know, paid for a professional cover, which I is a non-negotiable in my, in my eyes, you know, you have to have a professionally uh, designed cover and, um, he did, I don't remember if he did any marketing, but he thought, you know, that cover was going to be his ticket. And he just didn't understand how he wasn't selling hundreds of thousands of books. And then, you know, someone asked him in the thread, well, what is your book? What's the title? And what is it about? And it was the smallest niche subject matter that you could possibly, like a how astrology helps gardening. I mean, that wasn't it, but you know what I mean. It's yeah, so, it's so far down that it's like there's 10 people in the world that would be interested in it. Exactly. So that's always the first thing I tell authors to look at. What is your subject matter? Are you writing a commercial book or is it so niche that even if you sold to every reader that would read your book, which we're never going to actually do, of course, but say you did, do you even stand a chance? Like, let's be realistic, okay? That's the first thing I would say. But there are some things that you can control. If you are writing a super commercial book and psychological thrillers, memory box, it's actually about a woman who Googles her name and she discovers a past she doesn't remember. Oh. So it's very commercial, okay? It's very in the moment. It was actually uh, the, the idea for the book came from an article I read in the New York Times about somebody who was Googling himself and he discovered he was on a missing persons list oh for like many, many years. Yeah, it's crazy. But so you understand like first, are you writing in a genre that's commercial, that sells? Okay. Secondly, have you done the non-negotiables? And those are, in my mind, having it professionally edited and having a cover that's professionally designed. And I don't mean hiring your neighbor's son. Okay. Because they don't know, they don't know anything about cover design. They might be an artist, but there's, there are norms that you must. And I say this to authors all the time. There are things publishing has been around for many, many years. There are certain things that aren't going to change because readers expect them. Right. Take the cover, for instance. If you're writing in the thriller genre, there are certain things that are expected of the thriller genre. You don't want to fool the reader by your cover. Stick to the norms there. Don't, don't confuse anybody. Your cover is a promise to the reader. You're promising them what they're going to get inside, okay? Also, what about, I had a client once whose book was, um, it was a fantasy novel and it was 600 pages long. You're, you're digging yourself into a hole, okay? Only Page King King can get away with that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, there are the gold finches of the world that I think was like 800 pages, but you're just creating more challenges for yourself the more you get out of certain norms, okay? And a lot of people don't realize that genres have page count norms. You know, a mystery page count is different from a memoir page count. Look them up, do your research, do your due, due diligence. Figure out, if you're green, if you're new to this whole industry, figure out what is it you have, what genre is it? Look to your comp list, you know, that's one of my tips that I was going to talk about later, but 
so important. Yes, and and a, and, a, and a, uh, honestly, from from what I have seen, a step that so many people just like completely skip, or even once being made aware of it, are like, I don't need to do that. I know this is a good book. I don't need to know what the yeah. <laughs> I was one of those people. <laughs> I was one of those people. I didn't, I did not want to hear accomplished one more time. I was like, no, 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 no. I can't, I didn't have the time. Can you explain it for newer writers? Yeah. Who are like, what are you even talking about, ladies? Definitely. So one of the best things you can do for yourself to cut corners and to zero in on what you need to do and what has worked in the past is to make a list of the books that would sit next to yours in a bookstore in the same genre. You share the same readership. So for instance, mine is a psychological thriller, Gone Girl, definitely. Girl on the Train, definitely. These are books that are in my genre. Dragon tattoo. And also, <laughs> what's that? Girl with a dragon tattoo. Like, I, this is my genre, so I can start yeah. shooting them at you. <laughs> yeah. But the reason why it's so valuable is a, a millionfold. Okay, you can learn, say you have 10 books on your list. What I would do is, and I have done this, I'm the research queen. I go to every single book's uh, Amazon page and I study it for everything. I study the book description. I study how did they format their book description? Did they start with a evocative question did they start with a blurb that they got from someone an award how many paragraphs does it have how many keywords are in the first paragraph um, I look to see how many pages are in the book I look to see who published the book I look to see what keywords in their category um, thread so I look to see how they even categorize the book you can learn so much, it's crazy. There is no reason, like I say to people all the time, not knowing how to do something is no excuse for not knowing how to do something. Agreed. Okay. You have everything at your fingertips. Think about it. People who published a book 50 years ago, they don't have the tools that we have. Right. We could sit in our basement and have no contact with the outside world and learn how to publish a book by never leaving the house. I mean, <laughs> yesterday I had to fix my furnace, okay? I had to fix my steam furnace because it broke. And in the middle of the night, I YouTubed how to fix your furnace. <laughs> and there I was, like, taking the parts out and putting them back together. But like you said before, if you're willing to do the work, there's no real excuse for not getting it done, not being successful. Google, these are my tips on, on researching is, I always Google the best way to do something and the worst way. <laughs> That's an interesting strategy. <laughs> I never thought about Mistakes that. I made, I Google that. Mistakes I made, whatever, designing a cover or right. formatting a book or lessons I learned. You know, we see these articles all the time, right? So reading about somebody's mistakes is pretty gosh darn valuable. Right. Because you avoid them completely. You've just wasted yourself a lot of heartache and a lot of money and everything else. So going back to the norms for a second. So we talked about page count. We talked about covers. We talked about getting your comp list together. The other great thing I do with the comp list, I go to the author name. I Google the author's name interview with fill in the blank then i see everyone who's interviewed her then i start pitching <laughs> idea such so smart and you know i just want to piggyback on this we interviewed uh christy carlson i don't know if you remember her from digital book world she wrote the eat like a gilmore cookbook yes a phenomenal presentation we interviewed her and she used a similar strategy where she looked up everybody who had ever written about the gilmore girls and ask them to talk about her book as well. I think I had never even thought about that strategy prior to hearing her. So to hear you say it as well, it's 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 so smart. So smart. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you already know they're interested in this topic. It should be a fairly easy pitch to them. And I mean, right. 
you just, you cannot, in my opinion, get enough media when it comes to trying to, at least when you're trying to make a, a bestsellers list for sure. Oh, definitely. And that was one of the things that I did prior to that, you know, attempt to get to hit a list was go to see who was covering these books, who was covering these authors, and then pitch them. Now, some of the authors on your list, your comp list, are going to be mega people, you know, mega authors. So um, you may not get that media coverage, but but you try anyway. I mean, I yeah. And, and you know, Michelle Obama is probably going to get more interest in when she publishes a book than <laughs> certain other people. But <laughs> she exactly, still try. still try. I mean, the worst thing that happens is they say no, right? <laughs> yeah, and then you move on. But you're honing your negotiating skills and you're honing your PR skills. And and honestly, um, that is one of the pro- that's one of the challenges for self-published books. We don't have access to traditional media in the same way that a traditionally published book does. But we have a million fanatical book bloggers out there that are dying for content, dying for interviews. I mean, this is PR 101. You have to think about yourself and your book as something someone else is eager to learn about. Not like, oh, I don't, I'm not a salesy kind of person. Get that out of your mind. Or I, I don't like to push myself or I don't like to push my book. Think, think of yourself as providing a service because there are so many bloggers out there that are dying for content. They, yeah. they would love an interview with someone. They would love, I love to offer a giveaway. I offer giveaways to bloggers all the time. They love that. They love to be able to give a book away or, for instance, I'll give away sometimes even a 15-minute consultation with somebody, which is like gold. Um, I remember when I was starting out, I won one of those once, and it changed my trajectory. Um, Mm -hmm. You have to just think think creatively and um, but the book bloggers are tremendous the YouTube bloggers Instagram book bloggers you know they're out there and I, I do like to say to authors you already possess everything you need to be a success you really do you just have to do the work you know like you said so let's dig just a little bit deeper then into like what um, that week you mentioned there was one week that you super hyper focused. I'm assuming that's when you hit the New York best time, mm-hmm. New York Times bestsellers list. Get it together. Um, <laughs> um, so can you explain like some of this like specific strategies that you mm-hmm. have to do that? Yeah. Well, one of the biggest strategies and something that really is in the control of the indie author and not in the control of the traditional author is book pricing. Mm, so true. Okay. Book pricing and promotion is in our control. Okay. So I'm just going to give you an example of, I know a few authors who were traditionally published. They were the lucky ones. They got the agent, they got the publishing deal They had their first book. They were debut authors. They had their first book published by big time publishers in hardcover at their launch for $28 and ebook for $13.99. They didn't get any marketing from the publisher. They got no PR because they were debut and you just don't get any money. Okay. For that kind of stuff. They never sold, I mean, they sold to their family and friends, but I mean, I I spoke to their agents. They didn't sell over a thousand copies in a year, a thousand copies, and they were traditionally published. But when you think about it, how many books are you willing to buy at $13.99 for a Kindle or or a Nook from an author you've never heard of? Right. It's nuts. So think about all the power that we have as indies to price our book competitively and to put it on price promotions whenever we want. Okay, so one of the biggest things that I did for that week was I dropped the price of my book 
to 99 cents, mm -hmm. the Kindle version mm -hmm. and the e-version, I should say, because uh, it was across all platforms. Now, when you sell it at 99 cents and promote it like crazy, okay, so there are many, many, many subscription sites that love to promote sale books that are drastically reduced. Look it up. They're out there. I think I hit up like 40 or 50 of them. Wow. Just did the work. I did the work because I was on a mission and I was going to show them. <laughs> right, right. So, you know, I was pulling out the stops and I worked on this for months prior to yes, that week. I would guess so. And just, um, just as a segue here, because we use some of these, we'll do the same thing where we do a concerted price thing, but I only usually send it out to three or four lists at a time. I can't even imagine what 40 of them would do. And, and for your knowledge, most of them charge for the um, listeners' knowledge, most of them charge between anywhere between $10 and $50. So it's not a huge expensive. Um, so I would imagine there are some that charge more than that and some that are free. But, um, you know, you can expect to spend a little bit of money to get on these lists, but they have, they have um, subscriber lists of tens of thousands. So it's, yeah. it's worth it. Well, and speaking of that, I did get a book bub um, for that week. And that is the, you know, premier subscription site. It costs a lot of money. I mean, it, yes. <laughs> I think it was close to $1,000. Wow. Um, but to say that I got my money's worth was, in one week, I sold 22,000 books. Wow. So I made back the $1,000 and then some considerably. But that wasn't even... I was willing to pay the thousand dollars because my goal was the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, I really had that as a goal, right. and because I thought that was going to open up other opportunities for me. It wasn't so much that I wanted to sell books because we all know when you sell your book at ninety nine cents, your royalties are like less than thirty cents a piece. <laughs> I wasn't doing it to make money. I was doing it to try to get the visibility yes. through the roof get the reviews, and then hopefully, um, you know, once you have the New York Times bestseller status, a lot of doors open, you know, for a lot of different things. Right. Um, and, and things did result from that, for instance, those uh, translations, audio, and so on. And we can talk about that in a second. But just to speak to those subscription sites, I did do 40 or 50 of them, but I did not I came up with a budget after the book bub. I don't think I spent more than $200 in addition to that. I mostly did free sites. Right. Um, and then I did a ton of uh, pitching all social media on author interviews, giveaways, guest posts, I was really busy for months, you know, just doing the support marketing to push that book out that week. Let's and I asked for sorry. all, yeah. Sorry, finish that thought. Finish that well, thought. I did ask all of the book bloggers and all of the people that I was working with if they would schedule the, the um, guest posts, the interviews to hit during that week. Okay, so let's pause right here and just in case anybody had kind of drifted out to, re, to restate what she just said, months of preparation with a very specific strategy, outreach to people, utilizing promo lists, utilizing influencers through either blogs, Instagram, other social media, um, and utilizing big campaigns, which if you're not familiar with BookBub, it's quite difficult to get accepted actually. Um, it, because they have so many promotions coming in there, um, so many people wanting to promote their books because it's such a premier service and does. But, but keep applying. I mean, I've had people say that they applied five, six, seven times and then finally got accepted. But I just, I really, really, really want to just, just reiterate again for the third time, very, very like detailed strategy, all centered around a specific time frame with, with, with key people and actions that she focused on. I mean, I'm sure that was your full-time effort during that entire period. So it really was. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of work, but it can be done if you're willing to do the work. 
Exactly. And I should also point out that I would have not tried that. I wouldn't have put all that strategy and work into um, that goal had I not already had a really strong amount of reviews. Yes. That, and, and a lot of those review sites, um, I've seen most of them require at least 10 positive reviews to even run your book. And some of them, I would imagine BookBub, it's much, much higher. Like they have very yeah. high standards, but that's a very good point. So at the beginning, when you're first trying to build this up, it's so, so, so important to connect with reviewers just to get, just to get, and give your book away for free. People get so scared of that, but you, you have to have reviews and, and people like you even just mentioned it a minute ago, people don't buy from a new author that's untested. Like it doesn't matter how interesting your book looks. It's usually my husband and I have this conversation all the time because we talk about book marketing efforts and what we're doing and, and we'll, and we'll be like, well, when was the last time you actually bought a book because of an ad? I buy hmm. all my books because of word of mouth or reviews. Right, right. All of them. Um, and, and you know, I can't impress the reviews enough because let's just think about it. Let's think of human nature for a second. If you go to Amazon, iBooks, Barnes & Noble, and you're looking up a book and you heard about it and you see 12 reviews or you see 1,800 reviews. Right. So you, you have a different feeling, knee-jerk reaction to this book at the get-go. Right. So don't try any of these strategies until you have a solid base of reviews. That's a good point. And I will tell you, when I first launched the Memory Box, I knew I don't have a sales team. You guys don't have a sales team. I don't have a marketing team. So what do you need to do to scale up your efforts? You need people, you need a street team, right? Uh -huh. And you need people who are going to talk about your book. So to me, that was the book club circuit. Oh, yeah. For well, I would say for fiction authors, but I've read some pretty good nonfiction books and book club circuits too. So don't eliminate that as an option if you're a nonfiction writer. And start, I mean, this is what I did and I encourage people to do this. Start in your community where you are already a rock star, okay? If, you're, if you can't be a rock star in your community, you ain't going to be a rock star anywhere. So start small. Start in your community. Get into some book clubs and then offer to appear at the book clubs. I've appeared at, like, I would say about 250 book clubs. Now I do them worldwide on Skype across the country. Book clubs love having an author. Um, and then you meet your people, you know, you meet the people who it's just incredible and they want to talk about your book and, and hear your story. I mean, what's more indulgent than that? It's kind of crazy and it gets you out of your basement, you know? <laughs> so, um, and this is another really great tip in the back of your book. If you're writing fiction, even if you're writing nonfiction, if you have a book that's really going to trigger discussion, you know, maybe it's a how-to or maybe it's a health topic. Put in the back of your book suggested book club questions. Mm -hmm. Because if you have 10 questions in the back of your book that are, um, you know, readers group questions, what are you saying about your book right there? You're saying it's a book club book. Yeah. So you just said to everybody, hey, this is a book club book. Look at this book and think about it for your book club. So I highly recommend that too. Put the questions in the back of the book. Um, you, you're insinuating that, you know, this is a book club book. And then go out there and on my website, this is another great thing to do. Every time you appear at a book club, you make sure you do not leave there without a photograph of you and the people and the book. Then you put it on at least one social media platform and tag somebody. Let me tell you, those people who are sitting there with you, they want to share that with the world. <laughs> right. Because they're so excited they're not an author, you know. So it's simple things like that um, that's helping you every step of the way. You're scaling up, you know, you're scaling up the voices speaking up your speaking of your book. So um, and that doesn't take a lot of effort. I mean, that doesn't take somebody who says, oh, no, I'm not into marketing. I don't want to do the marketing. 
showing up at a book club discussion and taking a photo and putting it up on Facebook, that doesn't take a lot of effort. No, no. That's, uh, it, oh my gosh, these are such great tips. And they're, they're not, they're not difficult. They're time consuming, but they're not right. Difficult. Right. Um, and you know, I would, I would say here, you mentioned the word street team. You can call it street team or you can call it um, launch group or whatever you want to call it. But the idea here is that you have a group of people that are ready that are building with you as you get ready for book launch and even afterwards. I mean, the nice thing about, about it is that it, it, there's no timeline on hitting these lists, right? You don't have to do it within the first 30 days of launch. You don't have to. So, so you can, if you've already published your book, don't, don't be like, Oh my gosh, I've totally missed the boat. Like there's no reason why you can't start building this type of stuff up. We interviewed one person last year who hit the, um, the New York Times bestseller list five years after publishing her book. So while obviously we want to do it in a shorter timeline so that we can start writing our next book and making more money from another book, <laughs> yeah. you know, there's, there's no reason why you can't go back and start implementing some of these strategies now. And I would say that while Eva is a fiction writer and that you can apply many of these same tactics to nonfiction books. Definitely. Um, and my, my book didn't hit the list for two years, by the way. Good to know. And this was because I, think I do think you have to, Go ahead. you have to build that. There's so many things that you have to build. Otherwise it's wasted energy. You have to build those reviews up mm -hmm. and you have to get your sales ranking up and there's a lot to learn. I mean, that's another benefit of being an indie. If you're traditionally published, that's when you have two months on a table in a bookstore to make good on, you know, make those sales. And if you don't, you get put to the back of the bookstore or maybe not even reordered for the bookstore. You know, you get on that sales table for $1.99. Um, but when you're an indie, it's really evergreen. It's evergreen. Whenever you want to do the work, um, and honestly, you can make something of the moment if you think in a clever way. You know, that's something I really love to do. I do love marketing, I must admit. I love figuring out um, clever ways to promote topics, books, and, and authors and whatnot. But, um, but, but that, is, that is a big plus of being an indie. You can, yeah. you can hit that list whenever, whenever you can do the work. Yeah. Roll up your sleeves learn what to do and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I wanted to ask you about, um, well, gosh, I have so many questions for you. I don't know which ones to boil down in the next 10 minutes. I, I did want to ask you about um, indie bookstores in, in particular, because uh, you've done a lot of, lot of marketing on the online space. Um, mm -hmm. Have you had much success in actually going into bookstores, indie or, or not, and, and getting your mm -hmm. books on the shelves in stores? Yes. Okay. And um, this is important to realize when you're self-publishing, you know, a lot of people will say, should I just publish on Amazon? Should I just have an e-version and my paperback on Amazon? And you can do that, certainly. Um, but it's not until you go wide across platforms that you are going to be available to libraries, independent bookstores, and schools. And that was really super important to me. And to all the nonfiction book uh, authors out there, it has to be important to you. It just has to. So in order to do that, once you publish on Amazon, say you do the KDP ebook and the KDP print paperback, you must go to Ingram Spark and publish a paperback, at least the paperback there. Uh, you get a new ISBN number and you hopefully you find the same trim. This is really important because people, you know, they choose a trim size that maybe Ingram Spark doesn't have and then they have to get a whole new book cover, if you know what I mean. They have to design a new book cover. So make sure when you pick out a trim size, it's available at Amazon KDP Print and Ingram Spark. And then once you're available at Ingram Spark, you're in the Ingram catalog, which is awesome. That means independent bookstores, schools, and libraries can order your book. But just because it's available for them to order, how are they going to know about you? Right. 
That's when you go to your social pages and you say, people, readers, if you're interested in my book, ask for it at your library. Ask for it at your indie bookstore. Indie bookstores love to order a book that you want. They want you to buy it with them. So if you go into an indie bookstore and say, hey, do you have the memory box? They say, no, we don't have this on the shelf, but we can get it for you in two days. And they order it from Ingram. Mm -hmm. Same with libraries. But libraries will look to see how is your book doing? Is it a commercial topic? Does it have great reviews? Does it have awards? Has it been on a list? So, you know, do your due diligence and make sure you've got reviews, you're strong, you know, and and you've got your, you've tried to maybe win an award or maybe hit a list or you've got great um, blurbs on it. Um, so, yes, I, the memory box is definitely in, in independent bookstores. It's available to purchase. Um, I have found out that it actually is in two high schools somewhere in this nation, but I do not know where. It's on a required reading list. It's on a required, wow. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty cool. I just can't, they won't tell me which school ordered it, but I, I think that's pretty amazing. And um, I will say this. I believe to start on Amazon exclusively with your ebook and your pa- well paperbacks you don't have to be exclusive um, they don't re- request a an exclusive jail for your paperback but if you start on Amazon exclusively at least for the first three months but let's say the first six months and use all of the marketing tools that KDP offers mm-hmm. to build up your reviews and your sales ranking and then go wide. That would be my advice. Yeah, I think that's a great advice too. We've we've tried a number of different strategies depending on on um, on the author and the genre and all kinds of things. And I I do agree with you that um, I don't want to say there's no point in putting your ebook up on other places, but from what I have seen, is if somebody is not known and people aren't don't know to go look for it at other places, it, they're just sitting out there with no sales. Whereas, right. whereas on, if you if you do decide to go um, KDP Select, then you can do the five free day download days. Which let me tell you the power of combining a free day with some of those lists that you mentioned earlier. Absolutely, thousands and thousands and thousands of of downloads of your book. Some of them may never read them. That's okay. It'll bump you up for a little while. And guess what? When they do come back and read them, you get a very small, a very small payout for number of pages read. So it's as long as they actually read the book, you still get paid from a free book, which is nice. It's not very much. It's a little, little, little amount, but it's better than nothing. Yeah, yeah. And people I have seen are when your book is on promotion. People are nicer yes. <laughs> when they review your book. They're just, I don't know, like if you spend $13.99 on a book and you hate it, boy, the claws come out. The claws oh, yeah. come out. Oh, I totally agree. And you know, the, the thing about Amazon and pricing, I just want to hit this point quickly too, is that I almost consider Amazon to be like the Costco of books. Like people go there expecting to be able to get a good deal. So yeah. if, if you don't have yours priced appropriately, they will buy it from somebody who's selling it used <laughs> on Amazon, or they just won't buy it at all, you know? So you have to keep that in consideration yeah. too, that, that we talked about the cover norms. I think there's pricing norms for, um, I know Definitely. there's pricing norms across the board, but there's pricing norms for Amazon too. And I've, Absolutely. Seen, I've seen a couple of fiction books at, paperback books priced over $20. And I'm just like, no one will ever buy that. Yeah. And you can experiment too, which is a nice thing, you know, try different price points and see where your sweet spot is, but you have to think competitively, you know, are you trying to gain a readership? Are you trying to gain reviews? Yeah. Price your book low and look at your comp list. See what what other cares. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's some fun tools like um, um, KDP Rocket and uh, Kindle, the Kindlepreneur thing and things like that, where you can actually look at sales numbers and, and how books are doing, which is helpful too. Speaking of tools, 
if you had to pick a handful of tools that you think all indie authors should be using to help them with the marketing and promotion or distribution of their books, is there a great ebook distribution site that you use? Is there, um, just off the top of your head, if you can think of a couple of your favorite things that you're like, I get so much bang for the buck with this. Well, the, speaking of the Kindlepreneur um, site, I did, I often go back to that site because there is a list of the subscription yes. sites. Yes, yes, yes. I'll put that in the notes because that's a really and helpful it's, it's incredible because there are hyperlinks for the site. So you can actually click on it, go check it out, sign up for it. It tells you the pricing. It's a wonderful resource. Um, I lean on that a lot and I, I give that out to authors a lot. Um, I have not tried, uh, is it Kindle, KDP rocket, right? Or Kindle rocket? What's it called? I think it's KDP rocket. I use yeah, I have not tried that. Um, if, if a, then the final question that I want to ask is if a, a, an agent reached back out to you or a traditional company came back and said, can we get the rights to the second book? Would you would you want to go with the traditional, or do you prefer to stay self-published based on your knowledge and and control of the situation? Well, that's a really excellent question, and um, I think I I think I will have a lot more leverage with this book, having sold over two hundred thousand copies of the first book. There are a lot of readers waiting for the second book, so I now know what I would or would not accept right. if I sold it. And I also know what I can do on my own. So I, I might, I might see what a publisher would offer. And I love being a hybrid. I love having the audio, which is traditionally published. The translations are traditionally uh, published because it does help to, to have this hybrid, um, status one helps the other mm -hmm. and so i would not be opposed but it would have to be the right you know the wow. right circumstance yeah. Yeah, exactly. yeah yeah well that's very exciting i hope you'll keep us in the loop on what's happening with it and we'll be happy to share as soon as the second book comes out mistaken right yes awesome Thank you so much for your time and all of this information. It was really, really useful information for, for everybody who's struggling with marketing their book or even thinking about what they need to think about in terms of time and all of those things. And you actually do consulting with people, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. I help people to self-publish and I also help people to come up with a strategy for book marketing. Wonderful. All right. Well, we will include all your links in the notes and people can reach out to you. Thank you. Thank you, Alexa. You don't have to give me your heart. You don't have to give it away. Thank you for joining us on the Publisher Podcast. We hope to see you back for the next episode. Great, huge thanks goes to Jasmine Commerce for the use of her song. You can find Jasmine on SoundCloud. Go check out all of her music. We'll see you next time. Yeah,